Jesus said to him, let me go. God had to ask a man to let him go. Jacob had such a hold on God. God said, let me go. Jacob said, uh-uh. <laughs> yes. He latched on to that being and he said, I will not. Now, how is it that a man can hold on to God and God have to ask permission of the man to let him go? Couldn't God just say, quit, I'm out of here? No, he can't. Because it's not a matter of law. It's a matter of relationship. God said, I will come to that person who praises me. I inhabit, I dwell there. Jacob was in the Old Testament economy where they were not yet filled with the Spirit the way you and I are. The Spirit would come upon them, but only for special anointings and special services. Jacob, though, had must have caught a glimpse of this New Testament truth that we could get a hold of God, we could contain God in this physical being and therefore that instant in faith he had that hold on God that he could say God I will not let you go until you bless me and so Jesus said uh huh you got it don't you Jacob and because you got it I'm changing your name and in the Bible when they change the name what does it signify a new appointment a new commission a new move of God, a new job. He said, your name is Jacob, but you shall not be called Jacob anymore. You shall be called Israel because you have prevailed. We know that Israel means you have power with God and power with man. You are prince among men. You are prince of God. And see some of us with a visitation like that, we'd come out and buy us a tent and put a big banner up, Israel. I've had a visitation from God. Come and see, not Jacob. And God gave Jacob something to remember that day by. Do you remember what it was? Boom! Knocked his hip out of joint. And as he's going to meet that brother who threatens to kill him, if he ever lays eyes on him again, He's going to be reconciled to his brother. And this is what happens when you have a visitation of God. He brings about reconciliation. He changes hearts. He changes lives. He changes things. And Jacob now, he knows he's got power with God. And he's got power with man. He don't understand how, but he knows that God's going to reconcile him to that brother. And so he's going. He's walking with a limp. The prince of God walking with a limp now. But oh, he's got the anointing. He's got the power. And he don't care that he walks with a limp. He don't care that anybody sees that he walks with a limp. He don't care that anybody thinks it's funny the way he speaks in tongues. He don't care that anybody thinks it's funny the way he wails when he prays. He don't care that anybody thinks it's funny when he lays on the floor or falls on the floor. He don't care that anybody thinks it's funny because he's been touched by God. He knows who he is and what God can do. He's a God chaser. Turn from your sins and turn to God and you can be cleansed from your sins. Then wonderful times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will send Jesus, your Messiah, to you again. What does the presence of God cause? It causes repentance, church. When you're pursuing after God, you find yourself often repenting and asking for cleansing and forgiveness. And God cleanses you up and you are into His presence. And as you are into His presence, He shows you something else. You're on your face again. And He, and he cleanses you and you're on your feet and He shows you something else. And you're on your face again. 
That's why the presence of God in a service is so crucial. So crucial. Ten characteristics of a God chaser. Number six, he displays that insatiable hunger for God. He quickly tires of religion without substance. He satisfies the thirsty, the psalmist said, and he fills the hungry with good things. To the thirsty I will give to drink freely from the spring of the water of life. Some of the poorest people I know have more wealth than I'll ever dream of. Some of the richest people I know have nothing in terms of earthly possessions. 